It has not stopped raining. You look, uh, like, you look like you've got some sun. I, honestly, a rare bit of sun <laughs> has, has come through. Do you know what it's like? It's like that bit in the, you know, it's, look, Mr. Frodo, oh, yeah, the yeah. king has his crown again. And then and very then quickly, it just goes, yeah. And yeah. That, <laughs> that sound. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's basically what just, yeah. Yeah. See, it's going already. (laughs) Welcome to Late of the Rings, a podcast dedicated to Lord of the Rings, the card game. My name's John, and here's my co-host. He breathes so loudly I could shoot him in the dark. It's Emery. (laughs) Hello, John. Hello, sir. (laughs) How is that asthma? (laughs) Yeah. It can prove treacherous when you're trying to sneak through forests and stuff, <laughs> which I have been warned by the authorities to stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. How are you, sir? I'm not. I'm not too bad. You know what? You saying that just uh, remind that bit of the um, in the movie. Yeah. When um, the elves suddenly are, are, are holding, you know, yeah. the, the bow and arrows up at the fellowship, yeah. and he says quite arrogantly, doesn't he? <laughs> and shot him in the dark. Well, that's Haldir for you, isn't it? You know, Haldir, that's his name, yeah. But then Gimli does the best angry face in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good face. <laughs> yeah, he does almost like a little. <laughs> but is that is that the point where uh, he does his insult? No, it's a bit later. He does his insult. I think that's when they're waiting at the gates of Lorien. Like, are they going to let them in or not? And he does it's around, it's around the same time. Yeah. When, when Aragorn says that was not so exactly. Counted, so, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I th- actually, interestingly enough, I've <laughs> yeah, this is how I've been spending my time. I've been researching dwarven tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask you what you've been up to. And this is it. Okay. Um, well, no, because of this zigzag ziggle thing. And, and before you ask, I haven't got to the <laughs> I haven't got to the bottom of it yet. <laughs> But what I did find out is that there isn't much translated Kazdul in Tolkien's work. And that subsequently I found out that for the films, they sort of made it up. But they were like, not made okay, it up. Okay, hold on. So you're going to, sorry, you're going to have to remind me what Kazdul is. It's that's, the dwarvish that's the dwarvish tongue. tongue, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, um, and then what they've made for the films is they had a linguist there and they created what they call Neo Kazdul. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh and that line where, where Gimli gets very cross, that's Neo Castle. But uh I do know what it translates to. It's not very nice. No, okay, go on. <laughs> it's I spit on your grave. <laughs> it's a bit harsh. It is the future, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'd go so far to say that it is not so courteous a thing to say. <laughs> I spit on your grave. That's very old school, isn't it? It's a proper old school insult. I that. spit upon your grave, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's how people should insult each other <laughs> in Neo Castle. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I, I looked into some uh, <laughs> into the dwarven tongue, but um, I haven't. I'm, <laughs> that I'm, sounds like a horrible experience. Yeah, it wasn't very pleasant, and but I'm no closer to. Uh, Solving the Zigil Ziggle um, conundrum. Uh, yeah, I was gonna... <laughs> Question. Riddle? Riddle. 
<laughs> is it a riddle? Is it really? It's not really a riddle. <laughs> is it pronounced Zigil or Zigil? Well, that's a fine riddle, sir. <laughs> yeah. It's just a question. <laughs> What's in my pocket? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we 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 haven't you haven't discovered whether it's a soft or a hard G no. in neo castle, or in <laughs> fact in traditional castle. No, exactly. Uh, I'm not giving up. <laughs> no, good, quite right. <laughs> um, sorry, I, I don't know quite how we got here, but uh, how are you, and what have you been up to? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not too bad, thanks. Um, what I've been up to, been waiting for it to be like spring stroke summer oh yeah. and it hasn't happened so i'm sorry to go back to the weather <laughs> very unlike uh, people from our country it's been cold and rainy yes. since last we recorded so all a bit depressing the whole covid thing has kind of opened up quite a lot here now so things are semi getting back to normal yeah. which is a bit weird yeah like semi getting back to normal uh but you know, still haven't been able to go outside and enjoy, you know, doing much stuff just because the weather's been so rubbish. So, um, we'll get there. Apart from that, oh, not an awful lot. I've been, um, I was, you know, I was going through my music collection. Yeah. And last time we spoke about David Bowie. We did. And I just realised I was going through. I'm a big Bowie fan, as as you are, John. I'm sure, some of our listeners would be too. Um, I went through all of, all of my stuff's digitized pretty much. I've got all my CDs are in storage somewhere and yep. ordering vinyl and all the rest of it. I looked through my Bowie collection. No Ziggy Stardust. Like, wait a minute, where is Ziggy Stardust? You know, this is a, you know the seminal album. And uh, and I, then I realised I had it on tape. It's one of those ones I had on tape for ages. And then I think I just never got around to buying like a CD or a digital copy of it at any point. So just, you know, I don't know, maybe I just haven't listened to that album in a 15, 20 years or whatever. <laughs> and I really wanted to listen to it. So I thought, well, maybe it warrants, you know, just a, a repurchase or something. And I couldn't find any digital copies of the original one at all. I could only find the remaster. Uh-huh. So I think last time you mentioned <laughs> that your friend was really annoyed that the Labyrinth soundtrack wasn't <laughs> remastered or re-released. And I'm, I'm the other way around. I want to find the original yeah. version. Because uh, I don't, I don't, we've, we've discussed our kind of mutual... Is it a dislike or a distrust? Uh, disdain? Disdain for, for this remastering culture. Yeah. Uh, which seems to have pervaded music in the last sort of 15, 20 years. Like, you know, Ziggy Stardust, great album. Uh, if only it was mastered a bit better, you know. <laughs> it was just the mastering that let it down, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's well, it's funny you should mention seminal albums that you seem to only own on tape. I have one of those as well. My only copy of Prince's Purple Rain is an original cassette, as it should be. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so you haven't listened to that album in twenty years. Either. <laughs> Nah, it's rubbish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bang average. <laughs> um, so just listening to music and watching the rain, then. Uh, pretty much, you can imagine a kind of music that soundtracks that. <laughs> <laughs> How about your good self? 
Um, well, not a lot. I mean, it's been a few weeks since we recorded. I mean, the last episode was uh, was a behemoth to, uh, <laughs> to, to to edit and get released, and then we so we took a little bit of time off. And I, you would have thought I would have done something in that time, but I, I was just racking my brains to think if there was anything of interest. And the only thing that sort of popped into my head is that I bought another copy of Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, the the book. The book, yeah. I mean, I do not need to own any more copies of Lord of the Rings. I, 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 kind of, I think this is my fourth edition that I now own. Um, and it's weird. The reason I bought it is later this year, they're releasing a single volume edition for the first time illustrated with Tolkien's original illustrations. Now, I'm very excited about this. So there's two reasons why I'm excited. One, I don't own a single edition. All my copies of Lord of the Rings are the, uh, are the three separate books. So it's like, okay, great. I will buy this edition as, and that will be my one volume version of the book. The one edition to rule them all. My one edition edition. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, of course, I wanted to see these, uh, these Tolkien illustrations. And... It then struck me that I don't own a complete set of the Alan Lee illustrated editions. And it was like, okay, well, it would be... I feel like when I get this Tolkien edition, that will probably be my final edition I buy. And I thought, well, actually, it would be remiss of me to not own the Alan Lee illustrated as well. So I uh, I bought yet another copy. <laughs> <laughs> would you... Perhaps describe yourself as a completist. <laughs> yes, I have all three books. <laughs> no, but that's great. Wonderful things to own. I, I don't actually officially own a copy. I think I've, I've got my dad's copy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Um, oh, but that's, I, I think you might have sent me a couple of um, photos yeah, from... Yeah, Resistor. This yeah. is so beautiful. That looks amazing. Yeah, this, the illustrations are so nice. I mean, and actually, it has inspired me to read it again because, of course, you buy these things and you put them on the shelf and you go, oh, they're pretty. Um, but actually, I, <laughs> having them there on the shelf in these lovely editions, it's like, oh, actually, I think it's time for a reread because I haven't read Lord of the Rings for or at least 10 years. And having them in my hands, it was just like, okay, yeah, this is inspiring. And... Uh, I'm actually intrigued to go back and read the books because I haven't read the books since I started playing this game. So I think it would be very interesting to sort of see where this game crosses over with the books with different characters. And uh, it might make this podcast a little more informed. You never know. Yeah, well, we actually know what we're talking about. Yeah, that, You know, I, I was actually, I, I, that's great. I was actually thinking about rereading as well, funnily enough. A book club. A vampire club. What you going to read? Lord of Rings, and it's going to last four years, <laughs> thirteen months to the day. Um, yeah, I, th- I think from all the discussions we've had on this, and when we've been looking things up, and think, oh yeah, there was something about that in the book, and you know, all those yeah. pieces which you've got. Because obviously, there's so much in those books. Yeah, I, I've been I've been thinking about going back and rereading too. So, Ratio. <laughs> oh, you, you, you've got yourself an easy win on your hands there. No, I'm a very slow reader. Oh, I can trump you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but other than that, no, I've not really been doing anything. Just watching the rain, same as you. Good, good. <laughs> Is that 
time of year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Summer. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't think we're officially summer yet. We're end of spring. Yeah, I mean, spring's meant to be nice too, but yeah. <laughs> but point. never mind. <laughs> um, okay. Well, if there's nothing more to talk about what we've been up to, I suggest we uh, get straight on to the podcast then. So this episode, we are going to continue looking at the quests which come in the first deluxe expansion, Casa Doom. And it's the second quest we'll be looking at today, which is the seventh level. So it's the first deluxe expansion, second quest, seventh level. There you go. You did well to get your head around that. Um, so if you haven't played that yet and you want to avoid spoilers, it's probably best that you just skip this entire episode. But if you have played that quest or you don't mind spoilers, then we're going to start talking about it from now. So. The seventh level. Yeah. And that's where we were heading, wasn't it? We'd entered the Mines of Moria last episode. We had uh, interrogated some goblin patrols and then we'd made our way. We we're going up to the chamber. To, to find out what happened to Barlin. Exactly. And we both very much appreciated the, the way the story was told through the quest. That's right. Uh, Travelling through Moria. Yeah. Um, guess what I have with me, John? The insert. I've got the insert. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's quite a short one, actually, for, uh, for this one. Shall I read it through? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. The seventh level. Difficulty level three. Oh, <laughs> hello. So it's the cinch. Barely worth doing a podcast. On. Okay. <laughs> okay, to be discussed. Um, based on information from a dying goblin. Oh, yes. The heroes have made their way to the seventh level of Moria, still searching for any signs of Barlin's colony. The seventh level holds the Chamber of Records, and it is there that the goblins said they would find Barlin. An ancient tome also seems to hold clues as to whereabouts of the colony. That's all it says. Then it says which cards the seventh level is played with. Yeah. And then it's only got one other section, which is the Book of Maz... Oh, how do you pronounce it? The Book of Mazabul. Mazabul, yeah. Uh, is it worth reading this? Or shall we read this when we get... Shall I just read it? Or should, no, let's wait till we get to the card, I would say. Okay. And that's all it says. So there's no extra kind of... Too many extra funky rules or anything like that. It's just a description of what the quest is about in terms of the context of it. That's it. Nice. That's the way an insert sheet should be. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Well, <laughs> we're flying through this. What could go wrong? <laughs> Well, should we have a look at the quest cards then? Okay, so quest card 1-8. It's called Search for the Chamber. Um, well, when you've got to go, you've got to go. <laughs> you don't want to be searching for it. <laughs> Where's it? Just, just ask some goblin. <laughs> Barlin's over there. If you need to use the chamber, that's down that way. <laughs> if the door's locked, it might be Barlin. No one's heard from him for a while. <laughs> yeah, take the book of Mazapul. <laughs> Just leave it on the side when you're finished. <laughs> okay. Okay. Search for the chamber. <laughs> it says, 
you are investigating the seventh level of Moria, searching for the Chamber of Records and any sign of Barlin's colony. In the heavy twilight of a hall, a bulky tome is discovered in the grip of a dwarf skeleton. You carefully take possession of the book. Perhaps it will give you some answers. Then it's got a simple setup instruction, which says, Setup. Search the encounter deck for the book of Mazabul and have the first player attach it to a hero of his choice. Shuffle the encounter deck. So, the book of Mazabul. This was the other, the only other part of the insert sheet. Okay. Okay, I'll just, I'll just read out what it says in the insert sheet first before we look at the card. And it says, This scenario uses the book of Mazabul objective card. If book of Mazabul is detached from a hero either through a card effect or due to the hero it's attached to leaving play, then it returns to the staging area and can be claimed by any player who triggers its action. A hero can also exhaust the claim book of Mazabul, even if it is attached to another hero. Oh. Should have probably have read that properly yeah. before I... <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> if book of Mazabul is removed from the game, it should be set aside and ignored for the rest of the game. Okay. So that's all it says. So there is a good snippet of information in there. But, yeah, um, that's a nice one. Yeah. And actually, that's worth remembering for other objectives, which simply have an action that exhausts a hero to claim this objective. I've never really thought about, exactly. about exactly. moving objectives around heroes like that. Yeah. Yeah. A revelation. If you like. <laughs> <laughs> so what does the actual card say? Let's say the card says, Book of Massable. It's an item. And it's an artifact. Uh, an, an artifact. Uh, an item fact. <laughs> it's an item, which is my favorite thing, and an artifact. And it's a restricted attachment and has an action, exhaust a hero to claim this objective, then attach Book of Mazabul to that hero. If detached, return Book of Mazabul to the staging area. Attached hero cannot attack and does not exhaust to commit to a quest. Yeah. So attached hero cannot attack and does not exhaust to commit to a quest so that's the key thing it kind of yeah, does it yeah. is restricted but yeah i think we're, well i think it's clear from what we're saying neither of us have moved this around our heroes no <laughs> where we played but it's, yeah it's suddenly opened <laughs> already is opening up a whole world of possibilities <laughs> <laughs> yeah look at that amazing look at that. i mean you do have to exhaust a hero to move it so yeah you'd have to plan ahead you wouldn't be able to just sort of bounce it around from hero to hero to make beneficial use of it throughout a... Uh... Do, you, do you know where this could be useful, I think? Go on. If you're playing two-player... Yeah. Um, so the card says... Have... Well, okay. So the card, I was thinking, if you had a two-player game and you kind of geared up your deck and you think, right, we want this hero to have the book, mm -hmm. basically, out of your six heroes or whatever. Yeah. Um. It says, in the setup, it says, have the first player attach it to a hero of his choice. Yeah. Can they attach to any hero? Any hero. Have to, it's their choice. Not, not one of the first player's heroes. No. It's just any... Any a, hero. So I'm the first player, but I can choose to play on one of your heroes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Same That's as any cool. attachment, actually. You can always play an attachment onto your uh, playing partner's heroes or characters. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But okay, cool. Bouncing it around, that's interesting. It is. I think, um, yeah. Well, yeah. We can. Do it. I, I, I keep thinking of, of ways to do that. Thinking, well, what, you know, I'm, I'm already questioning myself. So let's park. Yeah. Should we go away and play the quest? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the only way to do this properly. 
<laughs> I mean, we normally do it in advance. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have okay. thought to read the instructions? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's flip over the, uh, the quest card. Okay. So, 1B. So, you need 15 progress to get through this quest. It says, The dwarven runes of the book appear to hold a detailed record of the fledgling colony, but there is some elvish script at the end which seems out of place. Mm. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> when revealed, reveal one encounter card per player and add it to the staging area. And there's some quite evil-looking artwork on this. Yeah, you, these goblins just hanging around. Just hanging around with their evil eyes. It's quite mm. nasty-looking guy at the front. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to the, the friendly-looking goblins. Yeah, you can't really see them. <laughs> They're at the back. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going we're gonna to attach this uh, Book of Mazable to a hero, and we're going to reveal one card before we get started, basically. And then we just need to sort of quest through 15 progress, which is, is, is not too bad. Um, 15? Hmm? 15, so that's a fair chunk, isn't it? Yeah, no, I know, but nothing else is going to happen. Oh, basically. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it takes a while. No, no, it's not nothing. But <laughs> but basically, there's no more weird setup, is what I'm saying. Yes, that, that's it. No strange locations or uh, anything moving in and out of the staging area. Um, but the Book of Mansable, as you state, uh, means the hero that has that cannot be used to attack, but also does not exhaust to quest now yes. i'm going to already <laughs> jump into a slightly important thing about committing characters to quest now in order to commit characters to quest you have to be able to exhaust them one of the prerequisites to commit to a quest is to exhaust a character okay and then what normally happens is you then exhaust that character and they are committed to the quest if a character is already exhausted, even if it has a card on it which says this character doesn't need to exhaust to be committed to a quest, it cannot be committed to the quest. Does that make sense? So... <laughs> okay, I, okay, I think I see what you're saying. What you're saying is, if you've got uh, Legolas as a hero, yes, and he's got the Book of Mazabul, yes. And if he is at the beginning of the quest phase, mm-hmm. he's ready. Yeah. Then you want to commit him to the quest. That's fine. He can commit to the quest, but you don't have to exhaust him. Correct. That's fine. Yes. But also, if you get to the questing stage, but Legolas happens to be exhausted already for some other reason, yeah, you cannot commit him to the quest because he's already exhausted. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he cannot exhaust and then not have to exhaust to get into the quest exactly one of the prerequisites to be able to commit to a quest is to exhaust and then this card just tells you that you don't need to exhaust yeah exactly um okay fine yeah i mean that it is in the fact it's based the actual fact um is referring to another card but i'll just sort of skip over what the question is and just jump to what the response is and it basically says characters must be ready and able to exhaust in order to quest attack or defend Card effects that allow a character to perform any of these actions without exhausting do not allow exhausted characters to perform those actions. So, yeah. That's just a very eloquent way of saying what I said in gibberish. 
Yeah, no, no, but it it made it made perfect sense. Because to be honest with you, when you started saying that, I thought this is going to be some roundabout way of saying actually, if you've attached to a hero, they still can't commit to the quest. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought would be a bit yeah self defeating of the card, but um, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, and and the reason why that popped into my head straight away is that right on the beginning of this stage 1b it says when revealed reveal one encounter card per player and add it to staging area and the reason why this whole thing about exhausted characters cannot commit to a quest even if they don't have to exhaust to commit to a quest was one of the cards i drew on that initial setup there is a treachery so i'm already jumping into the encounter deck here and it's a treachery called hidden threat which might come up again later and that states, when revealed, each player must raise his threat by one for each enemy in the staging area. Of course, at that time, that made no difference to me. Um, it says, then the last player discards an attachment he controls. So as this was the very first card off the encounter deck, I had to take Book of Mazaball and put it back in the staging area. That's what it says on the card you have to do whenever it gets discarded. And I thought, well, that's fine. That's not really a problem. I'll just exhaust, uh, I think it was Dane at the time, I'll just exhaust Dane and get it back again. But then, of course, at that point, if I was to do that, then Dane wouldn't be able to commit to the quest. And, of course, he wouldn't have been ready to boost my other dwarves. So it made no sense to do so, <laughs> you know, until after yeah. that initial quest. So so that's just what I thought. I'd just bring that up now. Yeah, I, that was the exact scenario I, I had to look up as well, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, the only attachment out there. Well, what happens when you discard it? Yeah. Uh, and you put it back in the staging area rather than in the discard pile. Yeah. Yeah, because actually that's what it states in the insert as well, isn't it? For any reason that it gets detached, it's so uh, it yeah. it's been detached, it goes to the staging area. It doesn't matter if it's being detached because your hero is dead or it's being forced to be discarded. It's that point of detachment that puts it into the staging area. Yeah. Um right, well, that's a tangent of the uh, first card. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned you put it on Dane. I mean, did you go... For, I, I went through with Dwarves again. Yeah. Uh, as I'm kind of planning to do through all three of these, really, just to keep it kind of thematic. And So I used pretty much the same deck as I did last time. Yeah, as did I. Yeah. Okay. So my heroes were Dane, Gloin, and Gimli. And and I pretty much always put the Book of Mazabul on Dane. Yeah. Because... For I, I probably the attached hero cannot attack. I probably won't use him to attack. I'll keep him ready to, yeah. If he needs to defend, you know, he's a great defender. I can use to defend. But really, you know, to you know, he can commit to a quest, give himself plus one on the yeah. quest as well, and then plus one to everyone else who's committing. And as it's dwarves, they're not the best questers generally anyway. Uh, that was pretty much the only way to really kind of steadily quest through. I found. Yeah, and anyway, they were the heroes, and I took along for the ride. Did you do a similar thing then? You mentioned Dane. Yeah, so I had Dane I, again. Same heroes I, I took on the first quest. So it's Dane, Biffa, and Darlin. And at first, I put the Book of Mazabul on Biffa because Biffa quests for two, and I thought, well, okay, he's actually quite a good defender as well. Um, so I thought, well, that's fine. I can keep him ready as my defender and he'll still commit his two willpower plus one from Dane without having to exhaust. So then he's ready to uh, 
ready to defend. But actually, after a couple of playthroughs, I did exactly the same as you. I took it off of Biffer and put it onto Dane because, well, for exactly the same reasons you said. Dane will then boost himself. He's questing without exhausting. I was just at the beginning of the game. You don't have very many allies out. So I was just questing with Biffer and Thalin and Dane without him being exhausted. Like you say, Dane can defend if necessary. Um, he can't attack, but you don't really want to be attacking with Dane anyway. So yeah, that's exactly the same uh, thought yeah. thought process. Eventually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it took me a couple of goes to finally put it on Dane as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, yeah. So this is an interesting one to talk about because I think we should probably talk about a few of the encounters that we get because, like I said, there's not much going on on this quest card apart from we've got one hero which is going to basically always be questing oh by the way i love the theme that this hero is always questing because he's gaining knowledge he's gaining knowledge of what's happened to balian by reading the book so the longer that we're here we are progressing our quest of finding out what happened to balian by reading the book he can't attack sure it's a big heavy book but he can defend because it's a big, heavy book. <laughs> <laughs> so I love the fact that he could, he could be putting it up above his head, you know, as the axe comes crashing down and he reads a bit more. I love that. <laughs> Look, I'm reading here. Come on. <laughs> Dwarf, get no peace. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that, that does work really well, doesn't it? Um, I think, yeah, in terms of the encounters, I guess what you... You're going to reveal one card already. Yeah. Before, yeah, right at the beginning. And what I found is I generally didn't want to see enemies. <laughs> oh, you're in the wrong quest, boy. But I'm in the wrong quest for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are some, there are some nasty enemies. Yeah, there really are. And plenty of them. Yeah, well, that's just it, isn't it? I mean, basically, the enemies are broken into sort of two camps. It's like, like there's, there are enemies which just keep on coming and then there are a couple of real big bads and i I, i'm sure we're going to discuss them all but i don't know what's the best way of discussing this should we look at these now or should we just see what happens when we get through it and then go back and talk about our experiences and who we meet along the way i don't know (laughs) i don't know it's a tricky one it's a tricky one this one is tricky one because it's so quest one quest two okay well look let's just see what happens on quest card two let's say we do manage to get through quest card one um what what happens well i shall tell you what happens we're going to discover as it says on the quest card 2a the fate of barlin again some of our kind of artwork here it's amazing yeah but actually I, I love this artwork again it's the muted side is beautiful and then you turn it over and it's just muted still yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just two different kinds of mute. <laughs> okay, so what does it say? It says a lot. It does say a lot. It says, You have discovered the chamber. Before you lies the resting place of Balin, last lord of Moria. The final portion of the book tells the grim tale. Balin was slain in the Dimral Dale, and the dwarves were then trapped in the mines. It seems as if there are no survivors. You stand silently by his tomb, but cannot tarry. Cannot tarry? Yeah, that's some language, isn't it? Does that mean hang around? Does that mean waste of time? Tarry? 
I guess it must be something like that. Tarry, yeah. We mustn't tarry. I like that. Um, Anyway, uh, orc war cries and horns sound close. You leave the cumbersome book as a testament to the dwarves' valour and prepare to fight your way out, lest Barlin's fate becomes your own. Moody. Yeah. Moody. That's the scene, doesn't it? So you flip it over again. This time you need 17 progress to get through the card. When revealed, remove Book of Mazable from the game. It's gone. It's gone. You've left it with Barlin as a sign of respect, as we just said. Yeah. Forced at the end of the staging step, reveal the top X cards of the encounter deck, adding all enemies to the staging area. Discard the other revealed cards without resolving them. X is the number of players. If the players defeat the stage, they win the game. So what that means is you might be getting an extra enemy Mm. every round, basically. Or an extra two and two player. Or an extra two and two player, yeah. Oof. I wouldn't like to see that. No. (laughs) This could be interesting in two player, actually, couldn't it? Yeah, I think it could be great in two player. I I was thinking that when I was uh, playing one of my playthroughs, it's like this would be a good one for us to test in two player. Um, Because, yeah, this gets exponentially more difficult because these enemies are plentiful to start with and this can just get crazily out of hand. Yeah. Okay, well, it's quite straightforward. Basically, what we're faced with here is a massive battle out of Balin's tomb, basically. And it's terrific. I mean, as in, in thematically, you know, you've got there and now you realise you've got to get out, otherwise you're going to be in big trouble. And on the way out, there are going to be a ton of enemies coming at you. And if you're unlucky, they can just keep on multiplying. Yeah, I think we should sort of jump into what the encounter deck is going to throw at us. And I think in doing so, we'll probably talk about how we uh, how we approach the quest. So it, yeah, in general, it's quite simple. I mean, we read the book, you put the book down, you fight your way out. That's this quest. That's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I agree with you. I, I think this, well, I think the whole thing is, is greatly thematic, but yeah. Yeah, so as mentioned, that there are a lot of enemies in this deck. I mean, it's, it's a small encounter deck, but it is packed with enemies. And some of them have a nasty habit of generating more enemies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you want to give us a couple of examples? I think I know which ones you're, you're talking about. Well, you're sort of normal ground troops. So I've got two of them here. Um, and one of them we've seen already. So one of them we saw uh, in the first quest, which is the Goblin Swordsman. Goblin Swordsman is a goblin and an orc. It's an enemy. And it has an engagement cost of 20. It has threat of one. It hits for three, which is pretty unpleasant. Uh, defense for one, and it has two hit points. And it says this, Goblin Swordsman gets plus two attack if its attack is undefended. Okay, so I think we mentioned this last episode. You've got to keep this guy defended, because if not, you're pretty much getting a dead hero. Um, And then the other one is the Goblin Spearman. Now, he's new to this quest, and he has an engagement cost of 15. So both of these guys are coming for you, basically. Engagement cost of 15, engagement cost of 20. Uh, The Goblin Spearman has a threat of two, he hits for two, he defends for two, and he has two hit points. He's a goblin and an orc. 
it says goblin spearman gets plus two attack if this attack is undefended so exactly the same effect as the goblin swordsman um so with both of these you've got to have guys ready to defend them otherwise you're in trouble um but the real trick that the designers have thrown on these guys are their shadows so each of these have a very similar shadow well they're identical apart from the name of the card it says shadow add goblin swordsman to the staging area or for the spearman shadow add goblin spearman to the staging area and you will be seeing this a lot yeah it just means you can't avoid the buggers <laughs> they're coming for you and there's plenty of them too there's so many there's so many i mean i love it i mean it feels like an old school video game you know it's like where are these guys coming from <laughs> 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 Um, so you'll be engaged with these guys you'll be forced to defend them you'll be flipping over these shadow cards you'll be seeing another one and that's back in the staging area it's like oh my goodness if i don't get rid of the one i'm currently engaged with there's going to be another one engaged with me next round that's going to get a shadow that could be another one and before you know it you can be overrun now add this to the fact that on that second quest card we're getting an additional enemy potentially each round yeah. These guys can multiply like crazy. Oh, yeah. They're awful. Awkful. <laughs> Let's not start that again. No. <laughs> so I thought I was being... Do you know what I was doing with these guys? Tell me. Uh, I had Gimli. Son of Gloin. In my deck. Son of Gloin. He's on a quest with his dad in my uh, in my deck. Um, and I thought I'd be clever that I'd just taken undefended off the bat with one of these guys at the beginning. Yeah. Um, if it was going to be from the Goblin Swordsman, uh, I'd only do it, obviously, if I had my trusty... Um, what, are they, what are the boots called? Boots of something. Erebor. Boots of Erebor. Yeah, they're free. So you just stick them straight on extra hit point. Lovely. So you can take an undefended off the Goblin Swordsman. I remember I did that. This happened to me twice in a row where I thought... That's fine. I don't think there's any shadows which boost the... Um, oh, no. But there's one. There is one shadow card which says attacking enemy gets plus one, plus three instead if the attacking enemy is a goblin. <laughs> <laughs> and I had that twice in a row in two different games and killed Gimli both times. On <laughs> like the first or second go. That's... Oh, it's, what? Very annoying. I, I find the worst with these guys is there is a treachery in here called Undisturbed Bones. Now, oh, yeah. um, the treachery itself is not that bad. It says, when revealed, each player must deal X damage to one ally he controls. X is the number of allies he controls. Now, if you've got a lot of allies out towards the end of the game, you're going to be discarding an ally, basically. you just got to pick your chump blocker, send him to the abyss. Um, but the shadow on this is insane if it's attached to a goblin swordsman or a goblin spearman the shadow is if the defending character is an ally discard it from play okay so back to the goblin swordsman and the goblin spearman they both get plus two attack if the attack is undefended so you go well okay i'll defend it with an ally okay turn over the shadow card defending character is an ally discard it from play okay so that that's ally gone so now that attack is undefended Dead hero. Oh. 
Well, there's something I've been playing wrong. <laughs> oh, of course it is. How have you been playing it? Well, I just thought that just meant that the ally is just destroyed. And that's what the shadow does. If, so if you're an ally, that, he's just killed your ally. No. But actually, it's, it's even worse than that. It's much worse. <laughs> what, what's the theme of that? <laughs> well, the theme of shadows is always a bit weird anyway, isn't it? I don't know what... Um, each player... Well, let's look at the theme of the treachery itself first. Let's see if we can work this one out. So it's undisturbed bones. <laughs> <laughs> when revealed, each player must deal X damage to one ally who draws X and no. no, that doesn't make any sense. There's no theme. It's just a nasty <laughs> bit of work. Oh, God. Is there a theme I'm missing? So, okay. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> well, you, you know I can probably come up with something. <laughs> but I'm not, I, you know what? I've just, well, I'm more thinking about now how I've... Okay, I wonder if this is a mistake some of our listeners could make too, because I didn't think twice about this. Which is obviously the problem. <laughs> uh, I didn't think once about it. <laughs> so, Shadow, if the defending character is an ally, discard it from play. So, what you've done in that instance is you've declared a defender. So, you got your ally. Yep. You declared him a defender. Yeah. For Goblin Swordsman. Yeah. You reveal a Shadow card, and the Shadow card says if defending character is an ally, discard it from play. So yeah. at that point, you get your ally, say goodbye, Ooh. in the discard. Yeah. And then this guy's now doing, he's got an attack to resolve still. Yeah. So basically, he's doing free damage, but then it says, actually, there's no defender here. Yeah. So it's an undefended attack. Yeah, absolutely. That's five. Yeah. yeah. You better hope yeah. that Gimli's got no damage on him. <laughs> I've definitely been playing that one wrong. <laughs> Some yet more inverted cheating. <laughs> well, I've got another story with uh, Undisturbed Bones as a shadow. It was it was the bane of my life, uh, but I'll have to come to another enemy for that. So we'll wait for that one to come up and then I'll, we'll, we'll circle back. <laughs> because, that, again, a particularly unpleasant experience. Oh, that, that's upset me, John. <laughs> it's, up, it's upset me. <laughs> trying to think how many times i got a card as a shadow all those times i beat the quest hmm. <laughs> yeah well I, I think you'll have to just uh, play it again no i won't do that <laughs> <laughs> um okay well that's 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 throwing me I, I was expecting to go yes yeah but that's particularly nasty and then we'd have moved on to something else but like <laughs> it's, it's me <laughs> you expected me not to misunderstand something to my, to my advantage yeah absolutely um okay well yeah i mean the, so those are the two sort of ground troops that can cause you a lot of trouble because they bring their friends be in no doubt that they are coming at you in numbers but there are also a few other nasty enemies we've got a couple of really big bads and just a couple of really annoying guys do you want to pick one Okay, I'll put. Uh, well, I'm not sure which one's your annoying <laughs> ones. <laughs> Let's do an annoying one. Let's do okay. an annoying. I think I, I think I know which ones the annoying ones are. Okay, I'll do the orc hornblower. As you wish. <laughs> okay, orc hornblower. He has a engagement cost of forty-five. 
He's got a threat of two. He only hits for one. He's only got one shield. And he's got three hit points. Doesn't seem too bad. Yeah. Uh, and he's an orc. And he's also a summoner. Very nice too. I think this is the first summoner we've seen. Yeah. And actually, but interestingly, he's not a goblin. And I've only just no. noticed that. If you have no. anything that affects goblins, this guy is out. <laughs> What's the difference? Uh, okay, he's, so this is just a, uh, this is just a great thematic card, I think. So yeah. he's orc summoner. He's got surge, yeah. so straight away you get another card. And when revealed, reveal one card from the encounter deck and add it to the staging area. Yeah. So this guy, he's he's blown his horn. Yeah, they're coming. He gets surge because of that, and one more card from the encounter deck as well. So suddenly. You draw this one card and you get two extra ones on top of it. So, you know, that can really stack things against you. And I think my description of annoying. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He is annoying. Um, Now, you might be wondering, it's like, well, it's got Surge and he's also got, when revealed, reveal one card from the encounter deck and add it to the staging area. And you think, well, what's the actual difference? It's not just Surge 2, if you like. Um, and the difference is, is if you had any cards in your deck that could cancel when revealed effects, right. you could cancel one of those cards coming out. You wouldn't be able to cancel the surge, but you could cancel that when revealed effect. Yeah. Because um, I, I read that. I was like, well, that's, that's a, such a weird card. And, and, then, and then the penny dropped. Um, I've got a little story about this guy. And I think that's probably why I class him as being very annoying. It involves your new favorite card, which was Watchful Eyes. We talked about it last episode. Um, just a reminder of Watchful Eyes. It says, um, it's a treachery, and it says, when revealed, the first player attaches Watchful Eyes to one of his heroes, counts as a condition attachment with the text, limit one per hero, Forced, if attached hero is exhausted at the end of the combat phase, reveal one card from the encounter deck and add it to the staging area. So I was on stage 2B, where during staging, remember, you reveal a card and then at the end of staging, you reveal another one. And if it's an enemy, you add it to the uh, staging area. So First card in staging I revealed was Watchful Eyes. So I thought, oh, that's, that's annoying. So I uh, put that, I think I probably, probably put it onto uh, Dane. That's the norm, normal normal position hey, for yep. Watchful Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Not so bad when he's got the book. No, no, no. Uh, but this is stage 2B. The book is gone. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had to reveal the next card for stage 2B. And it was the Orc Hornblower. Okay. So that goes into the staging area. So then I get Surge. <laughs> the next card that comes out, another Watchful Eyes. Right? Oh, so, lovely. Yeah. So that's going on Biffa. <laughs> uh, and then just do the When Revealed effect. Reveal one card from the encounter deck and add it to the staging area. How about a third Watchful Eyes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I had a little thought of you and about how it was your, your new favorite card. I would not have enjoyed that job. <laughs> what did you do? Did I, you just I, get swapped? I, I lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but actually, but again, we're just with the theme of of these sort of multiplying enemies. 
Watchful Eyes falls into this brilliantly. So you've got a quest card, which is adding enemies to the staging area. You've got shadow cards, which are adding enemies to the staging area. You've got Watchful Eyes, where if your guys are exhausted at the end of combat, they're adding cards to the staging area. It is easy to get overwhelmed with enemies in this in this quest. Yeah, totally. I think those Watchful Eyes, especially on that second quest, you've got to be getting rid of them <sighs> as soon as you can, or, or you've just got to quest straight through basically straight through the 17 with dwarfs yes, yes. <laughs> precisely <laughs> um okay there's one other uh, what i would class as annoying enemy but it wasn't annoying to me <laughs> ah this is your falling <laughs> so the goblin archer is in the set now he has an engagement cost of 48 it's massively high. You think that's fine. He's just going to sit in the staging area. Um, he has threat of two. He hits for one. He defends for three, but he only has one hit point. He's a goblin archer. He's a goblin and an orc. It says players cannot optionally engage goblin archer. So this guy is sitting in the staging area until your very last round. <laughs> if you happen to be letting your threat raise that high. Um Characters with ranged are eligible to attack Goblin Archer while it is in the staging area. I don't know about you, but I had no ranged. No, characters. I don't. No, no. They're, they're natural sprinters, dwarves. <laughs> um, forced. After an enemy is revealed from the encounter deck, the first player must deal one damage to one character he controls. So this guy is just sat in the staging area, firing arrows at you, basically. Beautifully thematic, incredibly annoying. Unless you happen to have Thalin in your deck and then you just quest Thalin every single round. Do not at any point think, oh, maybe I won't quest with him this go because that's when the Goblin Archer will come out. So Thalin, <laughs> of course, he puts one damage onto enemies as they're revealed from the encounter deck. So I never had to do anything with the Goblin Archer ever. It just took that one damage every time and he went away. Now, an important thing with Thalin and this stage 2B, that extra card that gets revealed due to the stage 2B's forced effect is also affected by Thalin's action because Thalin is committed to the quest at that point. If this forced effect said at the end of the quest phase, then Thalin would no longer be committed to the quest, but it's not. It's at the end of the staging step. So therefore, Thalin is committed to the quest, so enemies do get that hit point still. And it says revealed and, and then add, rather yeah. than just added. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Thalin was my best friend. He's one of my all-time faves, you know, Thalin. Yeah, he's brilliant. Always had a lot of time for that guy. He's exceptionally useful in, yeah. in quests like this. Because, I mean, if you think about it, all basically all these low hit point goblins that are coming out... They're all getting one damage on them, apart from the ones that come out from shadows. That was always annoying. So when the shadow right. says, put it yeah. into the staging area, Thalin's no longer committed to the quest. Up they go with no damage on them. Okay, so those are all the... It doesn't sound like many sort of troops, if you like, but they are so plentiful that it is very easy to be overrun by these little guys. And if you haven't got characters ready to defend against them, you can be in real trouble. Yeah, oh, oh, totally. There's just so many of them. They just, yeah, if you're not ready, if, if you get a bit unlucky right off the bat, yeah, 
at the beginning, you can just get overrun really quickly in this quest. I think we've probably both seen that. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, do you want to? Should we carry on with the enemies then? Because there are a couple of other nasties here. Yeah. Okay, so the one I've got right next to me here is the Chieftain of the Pit. Yeah. Ooh. He looks like a nasty fellow. Yeah, you can <laughs> see how he's risen through the ranks, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chief. Uh, he has an engagement cost of 27. He has a threat of two. He hits for five. Oh, five. He has a defense of two and he has four hit points. Uh, he is brutal. He's tough. He's a goblin. He's an orc. And it says, when revealed, Chieftain of the Pit gets plus three attack until the end of round. So in that first round, you see this guy's hitting for eight. So basically, he's killing pretty much anybody. Yeah, and he's coming at you with an engagement cost of 27. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> he's coming for you. You've got to hope that, you know, you've you got to have some chump there or whatever on the first time you defend with this guy. Yeah. And take him out as quick as possible, obviously. No, absolutely. I mean, if you haven't got a chump blocker, then quick strike or faint are your best friends with this guy. You know, just give yourself a round about him attacking because then, of course, his attack just goes down to a, a lowly five. <laughs> um what a loser eh? <laughs> yeah. i would also say that he is one sneak attack gandalf away from being destroyed so in that respect you know you you can just easily get rid of him if you happen to have sneak attack and gandalf in your hand um i did find that actually Thalin could take him out because with a dwaradov axe gives him an extra one if dane is ready that's another extra one, so he's hitting for four. If you've quested with Thalin, he's already got one damage on him. So then Thalin can hit for four on him. That puts three damage on him, and then the Dryadoff Axe gives one extra point of direct damage after the attack, and that kills him. Um, so, yeah. Oh, you have to be How able to, re- you have to, be able to ready Thalin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I was, I was like, hmm. <laughs> Yeah. unexpected courage or something like that yeah or well, i was using the arable record keeper to great upon ah, this quest so yeah yes. i was using the arable record keeper to ready dwarf heroes left right and center oh actually that's a, another good one that i found out because dane gives plus one attack to all dwarfs when he's ready but dane also is quite a strong attacker so yeah if you attack with him he's he's you know he's no longer ready I did check that you can perform actions after committing characters to an attack. So what I found I could do was exhaust... I don't have to do this once or twice, but you could exhaust Dane to perform an attack. I could then use the Arable Record Keeper or Unexpected Courage to ready him. He would still be engaging in the attack, and because he was ready, he would get plus one on his attack. Oh, nice cheeky <laughs> oh Erebor record keeper is my best friend i had yeah, doors popping up great, left right yeah. and center he's <laughs> absolutely amazing i love him um yeah so that's the chieftain of the pit i mean he is nasty but there are ways to get past him um the other big bad is even more unpleasant in my opinion and that is the cave troll boromir's best friend yes <laughs> Um, he has an engagement cost of 33. He has threat of four. Hits for six. Defends for four. 
and has seven hit points. Ay ay ay. Brutal. That is pretty <laughs> tough. I mean, the one saving grace on those stats is the engagement cost of 33. There is a chance that you might be below that, so you could have a little bit of preparation time. But this troll's effect is pretty nasty. For each access point of combat damage dealt by the cave troll, and that is defined as damage that is dealt beyond the remaining hit points of the character damaged by its attack, you must damage another character you control. So basically what that's saying is if you had a Snowborn Scout and you thought, I'm just going to throw it under the troll bus, um, Snowborn Scout is dead for one hit point. Any hits beyond the death of that jump blocker have to be distributed amongst other characters. It's just like the troll in the journey along the end to it. But on that one, you have put the excess on your threat. Ah. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like that. Now, with that, obviously, yes. In terms of calculations. In terms of calculations, yes. But there is one important use of the language on this card. And that's right at the beginning. It says, for each excess point of combat damage. Okay. The important thing there is that, let's say you have four excess points of combat damage. They don't all have to go on one character. You're right. doing it for each excess point. Okay. No, I, yeah, I don't think I picked up on that either. Yeah, it's, uh, and I must admit, I looked it up because it was like, oh, is that how it's meant to be written? I mean, I mean, it is how it's meant to be written, but is that how it's meant to be interpreted? Um, and it is. It was answered by Nate French back in uh, back in the day. So, so yeah, for each excess point of combat damage dealt by the cave troll you must damage another character you control. So actually, it is. if you follow it to the letter of the law here, it's correct. You know, for each point, damage someone else. And actually, of course, that makes great thematic sense. If you think this cave troll is just swinging his club around in Khazad-Doom, <laughs> you know, yeah. he hits this guy, he hits that guy. He's not just clobbering someone else. It's collateral damage. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is so nasty. I mean... This is where you don't want to see this guy in conjunction with another cave troll. Because I think there's a couple of these. Oh, yeah. Or or someone like the Chieftain of the Pit. That can get really messy. Oh, another cave troll. So I, I had a cave troll sat in the staging area. And I because I, I, he came out early and my threat was relatively low. So I, I had a bit of time to plan for it. So I brought in Gandalf, put four direct damage on him, of course. And then I intended to defend with Gandalf because he can soak it all up for defense and then two hit on Gandalf, no problem. And then I was just going to attack with everyone else I had ready and just hope I had enough to beat him. So played out Gandalf, entered into staging, revealed another cave troll. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I thought, well, okay, let's see if I can get through it. And um, defended with Gandalf on the first cave troll I was engaged with, uh, the shadow was undisturbed bones. So I had to discard Gandalf. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, undefended attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly. I think I had one. I think I had one. One evening I sat down to play and I had a series of games where I just got decimated straight away in a, in a row. I think I sent you a few photos of some of these. And one of them was something quite similar where. At the beginning of a setup, you reveal a card, and it was a cave troll. And I was like, great, hmm, they have a cave troll. <laughs> and then when we did the first staging round, it was another cave troll. Hmm, they have two cave trolls. 
So you're sitting there with eight threat yeah. in there, uh, which actually I equaled because I had Gimli and Gloin in and Dane. But my starting threat is 31. Yeah, you're in trouble. So, uh, yeah, it's just game over. There's nothing you can do. You can't build up in time and the game's over after three rounds, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, but actually that's and a, that was the end of that. Yeah. But actually that's a very good point about the threat building up in the staging area because we talk about how we defeat these enemies and you know what you need to attack and how you need to defend. But actually there are a lot of enemies spawning in that staging area and they've all got threat and some of these threats are quite high. So it's not just a case of how am I going to defeat these enemies. A lot of time it's like how am I actually going to be able to quest through? 17 points needed on that second quest card. Yeah. I mean and, and 15 on quest card 1. Yeah, I think, was it about this one when I, I use the phrase, you know, I think for the first time I'm enemy locked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rather than location locked in, in the staging area. <laughs> oh, well, actually, I did want to talk about the enemies a bit more, but we're talking about locations that aren't location. This is definitely a fighty quest for sure. But it is possible that the locations will play a part, which it only really happened to me once. But there are a couple of locations which I basically, on that second quest, I had I had to travel to the Goblin Tunnels. And actually, well, I'll read it out. I mean, the Goblin Tunnels, it's a thread of two and it's seven progress to get through. So the question would be, why travel there? But it says, while Goblin Tunnels is in the staging area, it gains forced after a goblin is revealed from the encounter deck, remove a progress token from the current quest card and as previously mentioned, there are lots of goblins being revealed, but apparently not the orc hornblower, which I would have probably missed that. But I figured I have to travel there. So that's an extra seven progress to get through. And then I revealed into the staging area the upper hall, which itself has a threat of three and takes four progress to get through. It has a simple effect of doom two, which is very unpleasant when you reveal it as the first card, which happened quite often. But that extra three will just sit there in the staging area because I find it really difficult to get through the uh, goblin tunnels and then all the other enemies are joining the staging area. Uh, I did manage to get past it, but it just took forever. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I tended to, not always, but a lot of the time, I tended to travel to goblin tunnels. Yeah, I think you have to. It's really funny. It's like, well, I guess we can talk about this at the end, but I think the way this quest kind of pans out a lot of the time, sometimes you get to a point where the questing side of it actually isn't the problem at all, and it really is about the enemies, which is a funny thing to say when you've got a dwarf-heavy deck. But, yeah, let's have that discussion in a, in a sec. Because I think when you look at the other locations, I think they're definitely worth travelling to. Yeah. So Upper Hall, as, we, as you just mentioned, yeah, it's got a threat of three and four to get through it, so why not? travel there and get yeah. that threat out of the staging area if you can get there get there for sure yeah and then the other one has got a threat of three as well and only needs two to get through it and it's an underground location as well and it's for plundered armory and what it says in the plundered armory is while plundered armory is in the staging area enemies get plus one attack so already you've got a motivation to get that out of there you have to go but also it says response after Plundered Armory leaves play as an explored location, each player may attach a weapon or armour attachment from his hand to one character he controls. So you essentially get a free card at that point. So, yeah. But even if you didn't have that, like you say, you just have to get that out of the 
out of the staging area anyway. Yeah, you can't afford to be buffing up these enemies anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so those are all the locations. So it's it's definitely not a location-heavy uh, quest by any stretch of the imagination. But it is possible to still get stitched up by them. That's the beauty of this game. Yeah, and I also found that they, in a way, became a key way to win the game as well. I think I mentioned this last week's... Or, or in fact, when we went through the cards a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about Untroubled by Darkness. At cost two, um, I could use this because of Na'vi's Belt. It's a spirit card. So just as a reminder, this is action. Each dwarf character gets plus one willpower until the end of the phase. Plus two willpower instead if the active location is an underground or dark location. So if you get a couple of these in your hand, so if you, so you imagine a situation, you've got two of these in your hand and you've gone to one of, let's say you've gone to the plundered armory, mm. which only, you only need two to get through it, but it's an underground location. When you're questing that go, let's say every single dwarf that's questing gets all their willpower plus one because of you got Dane there, plus another two because you've got an un- um, untroubled by darkness and you're in an underground or dark location. And if you've got another one of these as well, that's a plus five. So every single dwarf gets plus five willpower to whatever willpower we've already got. And I found, you know, if you just needed to peg it out of there on Quest 2B, if you could get that set up in your hand, that was a great way to do it. So you don't have to go through loads of rounds of fighting. You just run away from them (laughs) and just leave them behind. Because there were times where it was either it's it's proper fight versus flight response. (laughs) And it's like, if you chose fight, you're probably going to go down. (laughs) So, so it was just like, just run and get out of it. Um, So I found that was, that was a really useful um, way to do it. And and the penny only dropped after a while that you could actually use two of these. It doesn't have to stop you using two of these at the same time. Yeah. How cunning. I I didn't have any spirit cards in my, in my deck, but that is very nice. Yeah. That's really, that's a, that's a very nice uh, combo. Huh, well done. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's proper desperation. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I like that a lot. That's great. Um, talking about penny dropping. <laughs> um, I actually played, well, we were talking about the sort of difficulty rating of this quest when we sort of sum it up. But I mean, when I first started playing it, it was like, wow, this quest is really tough. I thought it was like, how am I going to throw it? I mean, admittedly, I didn't build a specific deck for it. Um, I just took the deck from the previous quest and took it into this one. I thought, oh, maybe I need to sort of rejig this. But I did definitely want to keep the same heroes because this very much is a continuation of the story and it wouldn't make sense to me to suddenly have different, you know, you know Boromir suddenly turn up. They have a cave troll. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I think, oh, how... Am I meant to sort of defeat this? And then, of course, like the first thing was like, oh yeah, maybe put the book of Mazabul onto Dane. That was a that was a good a good thing. Um, and then it all fell into place for me. <laughs> and basically, I sort of was scanning through my cards and thinking, oh, how can I tweak this deck appropriately and maybe give myself a bit of an advantage here? Um, and then there are two cards that I actually already had one in my deck, but not enough of them. And then one I put into my deck uh, to refine it that completely, well, 
it just took my deck to a whole other level and essentially it broke the quest. And since making these changes, I have not failed at this quest once. And those two cards are the Gondorian Spearman and the Mirkwood Runner. So right. the Gondorian Spearman works absolutely amazingly with Thalin. Because a lot of these goblins have all got two hit points. So if you're questing a Thalin every single time, they get one direct damage on it. If you can get one Gondorian Spearman out, or preferably two, but if you can get one out early, the Gondorian Spearman, the Gondorian Spearman, just as a reminder, when he... <laughs> Gondorian Spearman is the superhero version. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a reminder, the Gondorian Spearman, when he exhausts to defend, he puts on one direct damage onto the enemy that's attacking him. So if you've got one damage already on these goblins, when they engage you, you just defend with the Gondorian Spearman and that enemy is gone. You don't have to reveal its shadow card, so any respawning enemies, that doesn't trouble you. And if you, like I said, I just get one out towards the beginning of the game and you can have complete control over the staging area because none of these enemies give you any grief. I mean, yeah, sure, there are other enemies that come out. It certainly doesn't solve it. It's You still have to beat the game. <laughs> but it really, really helps. And the other uh, card, which I mentioned, was the Mirkwood Runner. Now, that's a lore ally. And just as a reminder, uh, the Mirkwood Runner... Doesn't count the shield, right? Yeah, exactly. When he attacks alone. Yeah, when he attacks alone, he doesn't count the enemy's defense. And he hits for two. So basically, um, if you could yeah, get at Farlin, least... Yeah. Well, not even with Farlin, because the Goblin Swordsman and the Goblin Spearman both have hit points for two. So it just bypasses the defense and it kills them outright as well. Oh, you're right. Yeah, the Swordsman only has two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. yeah absolutely. It's, it's, it's absolutely perfect. I mean, the thing is, like, the Hornblower has three hit points. So if you've quested with Farlin, he's got one hit on it, but then the Mirkwood Runner can dispatch him no problem as well. It really, really completely broke the quest. I mean, because if you have three Spearmen and three Mirkwood Runners, you're almost guaranteed to see one of them in your opening hand, and if not, just Mulligan, you know, and then you almost certainly will. It's funny you say that because, honestly, there were a lot of times we're doing this quest, I've really thought to myself, I wish I had a Gondorian Spearman. Honestly, so many times I thought that because it was just inching those, uh, you know, those hit points onto yep. them. I didn't think about Mercury Runner. And it's funny because I, I love Mercury Runner. It's one of my favorite cards, actually. I, but I didn't think about putting them in, in this quest. That's a really neat idea, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's quite expensive. But actually, well, the thing is, my new favorite hero of Biffa is fantastic because, yeah, the Mercury Runner costs three. Um, and I have a Trisphere deck. But basically, you can gift biffer a resource each round so if i have mercury runner in my starting hand so round one biffer has his resource i gift him one that round and then he can pay yeah. for it straight on that second round yeah so it works so well and the other honorable mention i must give and i said in the last episode i didn't have this guy in my deck and then i went back and checked my deck and it turns out i did he was obviously <laughs> he was obviously down in the pub with faramir um which was the Longbeard orc slayer um oh i love this guy yeah i mean you, you mentioned him last episode and i said oh yeah i didn't have him in my deck but i apparently i did i just never saw him um and just as a reminder when he enters play he deals one damage to each orc enemy in play again quite expensive 
four, but uh, I mean, I had uh, Stuart of Gondor, so I wasn't short of resources. It, it was, actually, in, in this uh, quest, it was one of the few times where I was sneak attacking sort of more unusual allies. You know, normally sneak attack is reserved for Gandalf or some sort of special occasion. <laughs> <laughs> but on two occasions, once I sneak attacked uh, a Gondorian spearman in, <laughs> which yeah. was, you know, but it just saved me, you know, it just saved yeah, me yeah. That, like, the last minute. Absolutely. And um, being able to sneak attack in the Longbeard Orc Slayer, when suddenly I had a load of enemies up in the staging area and also engaged with me, which I wasn't expecting, sneak attack this guy in, pepper damage across all of them, and he goes back to your hand, and then the next round I could just play him out naturally, and it completely decimated the enemy. It was really, really useful. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've, I've used that exact move of two, yeah, sneak attack, longbeard orc slayer. It can be so useful just depending on the number of enemies. Yeah. But I think... What you're saying to me there, I think, overall, is you're seeing the value of just one, just one hit, how useful it is. Yeah, abs- <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> so all that penny pinching you were accusing me of earlier. <laughs> it all adds up. I, I do think it's very prevalent in this quest, though, isn't it, with these kind of enemies. Yeah. Just one hit here, one hit there. With all the other stuff that's going on, it's just night and day isn't it as to how the quest is going to go no absolutely especially these goblins which just have two hit points because they are nasty nasty and they keep on multiplying so if you can find a way just to eke their damage down yeah yeah absolutely yeah oh yeah and, and then there was um just one other thing i want to mention about the moked runner because this was just a nice move was that i was uh able to just to dispatch a cave troll without any bother and this was, in, I think, the last time I played. I thought, okay, I'm packing this away now. <laughs> this this quest is surely a difficulty level three at this stage, um, because <laughs> the cave troll was came in, and uh, I was questioning a file, and so he had one damage put on him. And just a, a reminder: the cave troll has seven, uh, yeah, seven hit points. So there's one damage from filing. I sneak attack Gandalf in. That was four damage. So he's up to five. I defended with Gandalf. And then I attacked with the Mokrid Runner, which bypassed the Cave Troll's defense, putting the last two damage on him. Dead Troll. Dead Troll. X-Troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So being able to bypass shield is so useful. Yeah. That's such a great ability. Yeah, but you, you opened my eyes to the Mokrid Runner because... You said you played him lots, and it is like I said, for some reason, I'd put him in a lot of my decks, but never really saw much use for him. And this time, yeah, he's not going anywhere now. <laughs> a new favorite, <laughs> yeah. And the Gondorian Spearman still showing his worth after all yeah. these years. He's been a particular stalwart of yours, isn't he, since the very <laughs> beginning? <laughs> no, he's great. Okay, well. Yeah, that's pretty much how I found the quest and how I beat it. And like I say, when I first started playing it, I was back and forth. Like, actually, there was a couple of times I beat it incredibly easily and then other times where I got absolutely destroyed. And I was thinking, mm, is this quest itself a bit imbalanced that it, it's either really easy or it's either really difficult? And I, at first I wasn't that impressed with it. And then I played. I actually played this quest a lot in the last couple of weeks, and it's really grown on me. Actually, I think it is very thematic. It is very fighty, but it's it. Even when I came up with this idea 
of using the Gondorian Spearman and the Mirkwood Runner, it's it it still had to be played through. It still had to be beaten. It wasn't. Um, I didn't fail at any point after that, but it didn't just beat itself. And I and I actually had a, a great time with it. I had I had a similar experience in that at the beginning. Well, I remember the first time playing through this some months back, whenever it was, I tried to take a dwarf deck through all of these and I found it really tough. I think I mentioned this last time and ended up getting a quite a, a quest-centric kind of deck together with a bit of fighting to wall things off and I managed to get through it that way. What I found doing it this time was, yeah, my initial feeling, I probably still got this feeling to some extent, was what you said, which was I was seeing occasions where literally after the first one or two rounds you were just dead or you were just steaming through uh, yeah. I, I was getting the impression that depending on what came out what you got in your hand what came out of the draws what what luck you had on the on the card draw was basically dictating it i, I remember when i mentioned earlier about that time where I got the two cave trolls straight away and I went through this run of just not beating it <laughs> time after time, but one evening. And then when I did beat it, I think I bought, I think it was the quest phase on the fifth round. I mm. beat it, which is ridiculous when you think about yeah. it, you know, but that, that's how it transpired. And, and I really, and I was thinking, well, okay, maybe, maybe it is one of that kind of quest, but on the ones where it, it was close, it was really fun. It was a really good quest. It was really tense. So I think when you got into that situation, it was great. There was once or twice, maybe once, where I managed to turn around a kind of despairing situation into a positive. And there was probably one or two where I was felt I was winning, got dragged down into, <laughs> into the pit. But generally, it was pretty clear what was going to happen quite quickly. Uh, and, and I think... What I also found was if I wasn't getting enemies off the setup and off the first couple of staging rounds, yeah. then you'd be in such a good position yeah. compared to the staging area. In fact, it makes, makes it so, so much, much easier. easier. Yeah. yeah. So I, I felt maybe it's a little bit too weighted in, in that direction. However, it did grow on me massively because I wasn't, a, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't that big a fan of this one playing it through the first time, but I really quite like it now. I think it's really thematic. It's got great atmosphere. You know, you really do feel like you're in the situation it's describing there. So yeah, I'm a fan of it. It's a nice, simple, thematic yeah. quest. So yeah. Yeah. I, it's very hard to give a, a difficulty. No, to. isn't it? No, but that's it exactly. Because I, I was thinking when you said it's three, it's like, well, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's a one. Sometimes yeah. it's a ten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, yeah, so maybe in that respect, it should just be difficulty level five. Because yeah, it, just... it really is. <laughs> yeah. You know, t- how how's your luck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, it was interesting that since you talked there about times when you thought you maybe had it in the bag, and then something, you know, came up and, and really stitched you up. I mean, there was a couple of times where it's like. I was thinking, oh, I'm sailing through this and I really have control over the staging and I've got my Gondorian Spearman working with Thalin and everything's working perfectly and I only need a couple more quest points and it's a cave troll. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just not ready for it. No, that, that's and then it. you really have to think, well, how am I going to get through this? Because all of a sudden, Thalin and a Gondorian Spearman isn't going to cut it. <laughs> yeah. you just got to run yeah but, but, but I, I love that about it. that's my favorite thing about this quest i think is card 2b where it's like 
do we just need to stop for a second, get rid of this enemy because he's taking yeah. us out, or do we carry on running to that light at the end of this, yeah, yeah, uh, of this tunnel? And uh, that was beautifully thematic, I think. In this, yeah, it that really worked. It's kind of when you're forced to make those kind of decisions: do we stop and fight for a second, or do we carry on, you know, try to just quest our way out of here? Um, that's that's where the real fun is in this quest for me. Yeah, and and talking about the theme, I well, I, I actually, I mean, it can be incredibly frustrating, but when you start to get these enemies with their shadows, which then populate more enemies into the staging, and then the horn blower comes out, and you get two more enemies, and then another enemy comes off because of stage 2B, and suddenly you went from having complete control to, I've just turned a corner, and there's a room full of goblins. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, well, where did these guys come from? Because uh, it can turn on an instant that you're, you're absolutely in control and then the next thing you know something happened between the start of the round and the end of the round you now have six new enemies in the staging area yeah and that's brilliant i love that yeah same here. i mean i hate it but i love it my general tactic with this was to make sure i was kind of ready for a a good run <laughs> a good sprint on 2b yeah so Make sure you've cleaned out as much as you can in stage one, you know, and you've built up enough allies or whatever it is you need to do. Uh, and then you can try and sort of sprint through the, the second one because it's a long way to go, 17. I wasn't pacing anything. I was just going anything I could do, anything I could do at any time. <laughs> that, but when it's like that, that's when this quest is fun. Yeah, I absolutely. think when you're just like, okay, what now? What, how do I deal with this? That's when this quest becomes fun. I just, the games didn't get to that place quite enough for me. But, yeah. but when they did, it's great. But, but still, the funny thing is, even though the ones sometimes you do lose easily and sometimes you do win easily, it doesn't stop you coming back to it. It's like you don't get bored of it, which says something about this quest. You know, I'm not going to, you know, after we finish here, going to play the quest another 20 times. But, well, you I know, you, I, 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 think, get... I think you should because oh. you obviously <laughs> made some terrible errors with Understood Bones. <laughs> Never saw it, never saw it. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, overall, uh, this quest also gets a thumbs up for me, I'm, I've, I've got to say. Not going to sell many ice creams going at that speed. <laughs> Not going to sell many ice creams at all in this weather. <laughs> um yeah, I, I absolutely agree, actually, because you'd think you're not going to play this quest over and over again because there aren't that many mechanics going on in the quest itself. It's just a lot of fighting the same sort of enemies. But I played this, like I say, a good 10 or 12 times because each time I played it, I found it was telling a different story and sometimes you could just rush through and you managed to get past without any yeah. orcs turning up. It's like, well, what are the chances of that? And other times you're completely overwhelmed, two cave trolls, there's goblins coming at you left right and center and it was an incredibly different experience and then when i tweaked my deck and then even as simple as like starting with the book of mazabal on a different hero oh how does that affect how the game plays and i think that's what i love about this game is that there is sort of infinite replayability by just changing very subtle things in your own deck will give you a whole different experience in how the game plays out. And actually, these simple quests are a great place to uh, sort of test these things out. Yeah, I I think I... Did I mention last? I think I've gone down... I think I've got like a 51-card deck now. Oh, no, I think it didn't last. I mean, this deck I've got now, I think, is 51 cards. Yeah. I've been slowly refining it. 
And Joe, one thing I was wrestling with uh, last week about the game. Brock. About the game. Brock. <laughs> um, it was about Navi's belt. Oh, yeah. And at one point, the thought came to head. It's like, why don't you just have a song instead? And then I thought two things see, about see, that. See, that would, have, that would have been a brilliant bridge to you breaking into one of your songs, which you've been promising. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't say I've been writing songs. I said I've been writing music. You definitely won't be hearing singing. Um, <laughs> um, but I thought two things about swapping out Navi's belt for songs. One was then you do have multiple sphere cards in this deck. So you'd have mm. to really rethink the deck. And secondly, and more importantly, it was you're going to then have to get on the podcast and admit that John was right. <laughs> yeah, nothing thought, is no, worth that. I'm not, yeah, exactly. No reward is worth this. So I thought, no, <laughs> I'm sticking to it. <laughs> um, well, the, but the, the song, you know, I'm a big fan of the songs, but um, yeah. I'm sticking obviously with my Rivendell Minstrel to dig out the songs and... I, as you know, I have three Rivendell Minstrels and one Song of Battle, and that's enough to get, you know, with uh, being able to resource smooth oh, over... you have one song and three minstrels. One, oh, one clever. song, that's clever. three yeah. minstrels. Because the minstrel, again, expensive, but as previously mentioned, it's easy enough to get yeah. bit for those resources to pay for the minstrel. Brings out the song, put that onto Dane. Dane will more likely not get uh, Stuart of Gondor at some point. So he's rich. He's feeding Biffa law resources and he's able to pay for Thailand's tactics cards. So that's how I balance the resources. But also the great thing about doing it that way is the Rivendell Minstrel, she quests for two. Yeah, you know, exactly. she is yeah. not shabby when it comes to questing. And if you've got a dwarf deck, we know that questing can be a problem. So... Even if you've already got your song out, it's worth bringing her out anyway. And also, don't forget that Durin's song is a song. So even if you've already brought out your song of battle or whichever song it is you, you need in your deck, you can always use the Rivendell Minstrel to go and find Durin's song, which, of course, helps all your dwarves. Nice. That's, yeah. I love yeah. songs. <laughs> No, to be honest, I do too. It's just I, lo- I love minstrels. <laughs> it's a great combo, in in more ways than one. But um, yeah, I, I do too. I, I use lots of songs in other decks. I probably haven't used minstrels enough, frankly. But yeah, interesting point about a Durin song. So that's one of the cards I have in my deck as well. In fact, when earlier when I was talking about using uh, Untroubled by Darkness. To, mm. you know, if you do, want to do that sprint finish, the other things that are, what, what, if you can, the ultimate combo for doing that is, and I think I've managed to do this a couple of times, is you're in an underground or dark location, bring that out, but also bring out Gandalf, not a sneak attack, bring him out, get some more yeah. cards in your hand as well. Any dwarfs you've got, play them out just to boost it as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, but then also play Durin Song, which only costs one or multiple Durin Songs, whatever. Yeah. And then you can really, really whack up the... Yeah, you can end up questing for you know 45 or something <laughs> ridiculous, you know, <laughs> stupid numbers, almost guaranteeing to get through it yeah. uh, if you can uh, build that up, which is yeah. it's weirdly satisfying. 
Oh, no, but it is weirdly <laughs> satisfying. I, I mean, I didn't really have it with questing, but I did have some, again, weirdly satisfying moments of playing lots of cards to boost attacks. It was like, I think I played a Jorin song and then two Kazad Kazads. Yeah, he's got double Kazad. <laughs> That's called Kazad 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 Kazad. It, all of a sudden, Thalin was like hitting for nine or something. It's like then he had like two dwarven axes on him. I don't know. It was it was crazy at one point, but um, again, yeah, like I say, oddly satisfying. Kazad Kazad's such a useful card as well. Actually, when you're dealing with some of these enemies, yeah, oh yeah, especially if you've got a double one. You know, if you're trying to take out a troll or whatever it is, that can be super useful. Yeah, try and get yeah get rid of one of these big guys in one go. What I found actually with uh, Durin's song, which was quite useful, is playing it out at the beginning of the round. If we were on stage one and uh, Dane was holding the Book of Marsable, is that you could play out Durin's song, boost his willpower by two. He doesn't have to exhaust the quest. And then you can defend with him and he has his shield boosted up to five as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it didn't, it didn't happen very often, but it, it's nice on paper. <laughs> <laughs> I know if you got a way not to exhaust or to refresh already rather uh, heroes yeah Durin's song is so so useful it's useful anyway but if you can get yeah. two uses out of Durin's song you're laughing I mean I mean yeah often I use it just to boost one specific stat at that time but if you can plan ahead and get it out at the beginning of the round to be able to boost your dwarves throughout the whole round super useful yeah. Right, we've we, we gone into a crazy player card discussion. Yeah. That's good, though. We're talking about how we defeat the quest. That's exactly. No, it's like, it's like a, we were determined. It's like this, this episode could be short and sharp talking about this quest. No. <laughs> Let's add an hour about player cards at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> um, no, but I don't think there's much more to say about this quest. I mean, I, I did enjoy it, but I think we are very much in the same of the same opinion with that. So that it, it's not a classic. I'm not going to come back to it time and time again, but I did have a good time with it for sure. And, and narratively, it fits in with this current story really nicely. Oh, yeah, definitely. In fact, I did have a quick game of a third, uh, third one in, in the set already, so I couldn't resist. No, 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 good for you. Well, okay, well, that's that's a good link then. So um, unless you have more to say about this quest. No, I think we've covered it. Oh, okay, great. So as you say, so the next episode will be the third and final quest episode in the uh, Casa Doom set. And where will we be going? We will be going, well, it's not where we're going to, it's where we're going from. Ooh. It's the flight from Moria. Ah, fly you fools. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and fools we most certainly are. Um, okay, so yeah, we'll go off and play that. And then um, and then we'll come back and make a podcast about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if before the next episode you'd like to get in touch with us, there are a few ways you can do it. You can get in contact with us directly via email, which is laterthrings at gmail.com. You can contact us on Twitter, which is at Later the Rings. And there is the Board Game Geek thread, which, as ever, there'll be a link to in the show notes. So with that, all it leaves me to say is thanks once again for listening. Take care out there. And until next time, goodbye. Bye.